GoneMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. In this episode, we're joined by Matthew Robbins. How's it going today, Matthew? Really good. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Oh, it's a, it's our pleasure. Um, so, obviously, we have you on today to to talk about uh, a, a toolkit that you've been working on and, and has been getting a lot of buzz lately too, uh, called MFractor. And and I realize that this isn't always the the easiest thing to really talk through on on an audio only podcast, right? Because we're talking about IDE tooling. So I guess everyone will have to help people use their their mind's IDE or something for this. Um, but you know, we'll we'll do the best we can. But to start things off, like for anyone who hasn't seen the project already, can can you kind of describe what MFractor is? Um, so MFractor, to put it shortly, is a set of incredible tools for Xamarin Studio. Um, my current focus is to improve the workflow for Xamarin Forms. So a few of the features that I've been working on um, is a XAML analyzer. So in editor, it'll pick up uh, bugs that are going to happen at runtime. So for instance, it'll evaluate binding expressions and just check that things are going to evaluate like they should. Um, it does a, a lot of uh, refactoring and code generation for you, so you can auto-create properties, create some XAML, um, and also just move around quickly in Xamarin Forms projects with some XAML shortcuts. So what drove you in the first place to, to create this? I'm assuming that this was to kind of scratch a, an itch that you had personally. Yeah, so I started it May 2015, so I've been working on it for, it'll be, com- it'll be coming up two years. Um, I was working at a company called Touchstar, and we are making an Android application, so this is a, a Xamarin native application on Android, and I got just got tired of uh, certain workflows, so when you're building views in Android, you make AXML layouts, and then you bind them uh to activities by using like a method called find view by ID and you pass a resource ID. My initial vision was that I could just right click inside an activity and just go import them all. And it will pick them all up, pick all the controls up that have an ID associated with them and then dump them into the activity. So that's what I initially set out to do almost two years ago. Uh, and I still haven't done it. Which is <laughs> <laughs> solid all, start. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got all the infrastructure to do it, but um, around November two thousand and fifteen, so the same year, I changed companies to an awesome company um, called JobAdder, um, which makes amazing recruitment software if you're in that industry. Um, and I started doing Xamarin Forms apps, and as I was doing it more and more, those I just kept getting stung by these these issues. So. Like I, I just accidentally mistype a binding expression, for instance, and like, uh, like I had a, a lowercase rather than an uppercase letter, and I couldn't find out that that was gonna was going to break until I built the app, walked through like six screens, and then it just randomly breaks or or, or actually just silently fails. And I had all this really co- like great infrastructure that I'd built for for Xamarin Android, so I had a an IntelliSense engine for Android and IntelliSense. Uh, um, an analysis engine for uh, AXML files. So I took a week off work and I meshed and reported the whole thing. And around that same time, Roslyn came into the picture for Xamarin Studio. Um, if you're not familiar with Roslyn, that's a it's the compilation platform for C Sharp. So 
Prior to this, there was a technology in Xamarin Studio called nRefactory, which is the type system. So this is, uh, it's a, like it's a DOM for your source code, basically. Like it, it's the, the, the abstract syntax tree. So Roslyn came into the picture and it let me take uh, XAML files and symbolicate the whole thing. So I, I can go, what does that button resolve to as a .NET symbol? Uh, does it work? And do all those properties resolve? So it gave me um, all this incredible infrastructure to leverage uh, to really take what I was doing to the next level. And I've been just adding more and more shortcuts since then. So it's kind of like, it sounds like you're kind of doing some compile time type checking, but doing it more at design time. Was that like a, a fair analysis of some of the stuff that this does? Yeah, that's quite correct. So I, I've been trying to shift uh, the discovery of errors to in editor, so design time. Um, and then as part of that, not just warn about the errors, but provide a mechanism to fix them instantly. So I, I don't like, for instance, when you don't have when a, when a binding expression, that's the one, oh, an example I use quite a bit, uh, doesn't resolve. So why doesn't it resolve? Have you mistyped it? Can I suggest a symbol that, it, that you can autocorrect it to? Or maybe I can generate the C-sharp for you. Right. And that one in particular, I know I, that, that bit a lot of people for a long time. And, and at least now there's an option you know, in the box for doing you know, ahead of time XAML compilation. But obviously you then you know, for the most part, you'll probably leave that off while you're doing active development because you don't want to pay that upfront compilation cost just to do all that. Um, so so I, I could definitely see some benefit in being able to just detect that stuff in the background and, and flag it. Um, is everything that mFractor is doing then um, in the camp of design time checks or are there any um, actual compilation features that you add in as well? Uh, there's no compilation features yet. I would like to eventually push it into a build task so the, the build will actually fail um, if, it, if it picks up one of these bugs. Uh, but I, I would expect that's probably a while away yet. So what kind of like performance hit does this cause on the IDE um, for users who haven't actually opened this up and played with it yet? Is it is this doing everything kind of in the background or you know is it something that you're going to have to wait a little bit more time while you're developing for it to happen? It, it's fairly instantaneous. So... I, I use it every day, um, and I work with Xamarin.Form uh, XAML views that are, I guess they're reasonably complex, so they could be like three, 400 lines of XAML, um, and I have, I think it's up to about 42, 43, 44 specific analysis checks that I check for, um, and I haven't optimized it, and on, on my machine in debug mode, it would take maybe 40 milliseconds to analyze the whole thing. So that's a couple of frames of the game, if you're going to compare. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very quick. Um, and I have a lot of room to improve that algorithm as well. So it, it's, not, it's not really noticeable at the moment. Nice. And I want to kind of go back really quick to, to something that you just mentioned in passing there that um, is, is always something that I find super beneficial. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, eventually being able to support more of a, a build and I imagine like a CI type um, environment for this stuff. So that has me curious, like how much of the current code base that, that you have for mFractor is tied to say Rosalind specifically, as opposed to requiring the, the Xamarin Studio uh, infrastructure to run it? Uh, 
So Roslyn is a core dependency. I, I couldn't do what I do without Roslyn. So take right. that out of the equation and the, the product doesn't exist. Um, but in terms of it being tied and integrated into Xamarin Studio, it's, it's one assembly um, with, with a very, very thin integration layer. So I've designed it specifically in mind that I w want to do like, you've actually read my mind here, I wanted to do a headless CI analyzer at, at some point. Um, I want to bring it to Visual Studio. So it, from the start, a very big focus for me has, been, has to, I wanted to architect it so that I can take the core code base and bring it to other platforms. I, funnily enough, I'd say that my experience in building mobile apps has helped quite a lot, quite a lot in this because you try to squash in as much shared code as you can in a mobile app um, and I'm trying to take the same approach with my tooling. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun is an essential tool for every developer, helping you detect and diagnose your errors in real time so your team can fix bugs faster. Just a few lines of code is all it takes to get started, and you'll be amazed how quickly you start receiving reports from all of your apps. Why wait for frustrated users to notify you when they hit a bug, and then spend your time digging through log files? Raygun notifies you immediately and with all the information you need. Raygun keeps everyone informed, so whether you have 1 or 100 developers, you'll get everything you need to become an awesome development team. Start your free trial today at raygun.io, and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, as I've been looking through like MFractor and stuff, and I see a lot of other people making the comparison too. like it often often gets classified as like resharper for Xamarin Studio. Um, and that's like a side of resharper that that I use personally, where they give you, uh, you know, a little command line version of the resharper tools that you can run to run their analysis and run their their compilation checks and all that sort of stuff. So being able to leverage that for all of these Xamarin and mobile specific things would be pretty fantastic. Yeah, I, I would love to get it to that point. At the moment, it's just me. I'm talking to a buddy to to get another well, to get another resource on it, basically, because it's it's a lot of work for one person. Now, you mentioned a few of the features of Mfractor. Can you walk us through the rest of of the features that people get by installing this add-in? Um, yeah, sure. So, I mean, the main features that I use and I see people using. Uh, uh, XAML tooltips, so hovering over like a, an element in your XAML, for instance, uh, a, a button or a label, uh, it, it pulls out the, the .NET symbol and renders a .NET style tooltip for that. Uh, another feature that people use quite a bit is it's a that's what I call MVVM navigation. So Infractor inspects the naming conventions. So if you have login page and login view model, it'll drop the page and view model from the end and consider the two associated with each, with each other. And it activates these really handy shortcuts that I would use a couple of times every hour um, where you can right click and go, go to the code behind class, go to the view model, go to the XAML view. And it just, it removes so much friction in jumping around these these three core classes. So instead of finding in the left pane where that file is, uh, it just you just right click and go jump to it. So that's something that I use quite a lot and I know Xam uh, Consulting, so Michael Ridland who I think recorded with you, um, he, used that, he used that a bit from, from my knowledge. Are these conventions uh, customizable? Or like how, how flexible are the, the conventions that, that this kind of adheres to? 
well, the correct answer is I love, I, it's, you know, it's super flexible, <laughs> but uh, at the moment it's all fairly hard coded based on my experiences and feedback from people that I who are using it. Uh, I, I've been talking to one of the MVPs based in Auckland, um, Jim Bennett, to bring a, a config system into Mfractor at some point so that you can change the behavior of it. Uh, so at the moment it's fixed and there's some documentation that describes the behavior and how to name things to get the most out of it. Uh, but in time it will become much more flexible than it currently is. Right. So then, so then currently the, the convention is a suffix of view model for the view model and then page for the, the view. Does it matter what folders or namespaces you're in? Is it, or is no. it just the, the class names that you, you care about there? It's just the, just, just the class names. Um, and it also detects, so login view it would also have the same effect. It, it looks for specific suffixes, suffixes that are in common use. Okay. And I have to imagine that that picks up the vast majority. Like if you use both, if you cover both page and view, that has to cover probably what most people are doing out there. Yeah, that was my rationale. I mean, I, what I've been doing for this is the same defaults, basically. If, if I'm going to choose as a fault for something, I'll do it. Uh, what makes the most sense. And I usually ask quite a few people before I do things now. So I've been uh, leveraging Twitter polls quite a lot, and they've been very, very useful in getting feedback from people. So then also one of the other kind of loaded questions or implicit questions rather in, you know, talking about MVVM and how you're setting this up is, you know, what what MVVM implementation are you sort of relying on, if any, in these? Like, it, does the framework that you're using matter or does it not go any deeper really than just class navigation? It's just on conventions at the moment. So it's not tied to a particular framework. So it's not uh, Prism, MVVM Cross, Fresh MVVM. Um, it's not tied to a framework yet. It will, not yet. It, it, will, <laughs> it will never be tied to a framework. I, I intend to make that customizable. Um, yeah. So how does somebody actually go into Xamarin Studio and set up Mfractor to work? Uh, you would go to my website. So you can either go to www.mfractor.com and there will be a downloads page where you can download what's called uh, an MPAC, which is the, it's a fancy archive format for Xamarin, Xamarin Studio where you can install, excuse me, um, it's a fancy zip format uh, for Xamarin Studio add-ins. So you download that MPAC and you can install it into Xamarin Studio. If you go to docs.mfractor.com, there's a full tutorial on how to set this up uh, under setup. Sorry. Yeah, under setup. And it has the instructions on where to download it from, how to install it. Is there anything um, anything that you have to do other than just install this in, into to Xamarin Studio then? Or is it just as soon as you you get that in there, it lights up, and you start getting all of the this refactoring help? Uh, theoretically, everything should activate in, in the first install. Uh, but there are, it's like anything. Usually, you'd have to restart the software for it to all take full effect. So if you install Mfractor, I would suggest restarting Xamarin Studio just to make sure that it's all in OK. Um, but in all my testing, it, it's slotted in fine the first time you install it. So you don't actually have to restart it, but I would I recommend restarting it. Cool. 
So then beyond, I mean, beyond, we talked through the code navigation and, you know, view to view model and back and forth navigation and stuff, which is great. Um, but I think one of the other things that we haven't really touched on is uh, a lot of the, the code generation stuff that, that you seem to have implemented. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. So at the core of it, I've been basically building a XAML refactoring engine. So it allows you to make these really small micro classes that say, I want to I want to listen for the specific event. I want to suggest these actions the user can take, and I want to generate uh, this code. So I, over the, the course of a couple of weeks, I, I built up all this infrastructure to basically allow me to rapidly make refactoring actions. So a couple of these, for instance, that I'm using quite a lot are binding generation. So if you see a little squiggle under your binding expression, and it says that it can't resolve the, that property, you can right-click on that uh, on that yellow squiggle section and go fix generate binding, and it makes uh, the public pro like property type, property name, get set, and it just it inserts it into your binding context, which would be whatever whatever you've configured that binding context to, or whatever infractor has inferred it from the naming conventions. So that's one of them. Um, and I had a challenge by Michael Redland when I was on the plane to Singapore with him. So we went to, to Xamarin Dev Days in Singapore together. We're both Sydney-based, just for context here. Um, and he was talking, like, we were sitting down on, on Scoot Air, so we're, like, you know, 35,000 feet up in the air or whatever. And we're just chatting about um, his presentation, which was on uh, Xamarin Forms layout performance. And we're just bouncing ideas off each other. And he's like, oh, I quite like the, the binding generation. Well, could you collect all that and make a, an action that implements the entire thing for you? And I was like, you know what, Michael, that's a challenge that I will take. <laughs> <laughs> so over the, the Christmas break, I sat down and I made a refactoring action that it inspects your entire document for missing bindings. And it does a refactoring action called implement view model. So you can just right-click on anywhere in the document. It collects all the bindings. So if you have like 20 missing bindings, um, it squashes them all together. It'll make the class for you. It'll insert them into a namespace and just writes out the whole code file for you. So And, it, and if you don't get that far like to, to actually use that refactoring, is do you dump that information like about the missing bindings and stuff out anywhere? Or they, do they surface as like warnings or information in the project, uh, uh, like one of the panes? Uh, not yet, but um, <laughs> um, I'll be working on that pretty soon. I see. That seems like it's probably well, what I would assume is kind of an easier jump once you already have all that information being collected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I find is like I, I make some small action, and all of a sudden all these all these new ideas and possibilities open up. So I, I started writing like analyzers, and I'm like, oh wow, it'd be so cool to have a solution pane that. Like it, when it starts up, it inspects my entire entire project and collects everything that's wrong in the XAML in a you know single like output analysis panel. I think that'd be really useful for people who you know fire this up in existing projects where they kind of want to comb through everything and see stuff that they maybe missed that hasn't really surfaced itself as a, a problem, you know, crashing the app or something. Yeah, and it, it picks up quite a lot of these issues. So one of the things that I'm doing at the moment, I'm working on. Uh, asynchronous uh, refactoring. So like, you can take a user input, you can you know, take a confirmation message and then you can apply some output. 
Um, so I did a test of that last night, no, Monday night with a, a color editing dialogue, um, just a, as a proof of concept. Uh, so the that kind of like leads me to wonder what the extensibility model is of of M Fractor. So you, so you mentioned you know, you're having these casual conversations. You're, you come up with your next idea of hey, I want to you know I have this really cool idea for this next refactoring or this next code analysis piece. What is the story actually like for being able to to go in and augment what's already in there with that? Uh, extremely easy. So I've spent a lot of time. Like trying to get the, the fundamental infrastructure set up so that it's it's just a matter of inheriting a class and, and filling in th- like three function overloads and then it does everything for me. So it, it does a lot of um, like it'll gather everything that, it, that so when, when Mfractor starts up, it inspects for classes that implement like I analysis routine across all, all the assemblies in, in Xamarin Studio. And then it just plugs them all into the analysis engine. So there's not much cost to me to actually make a new refactoring action or an analysis routine. Like I would just inherit from like a, the, the abstract XAML analyzer class. I, I'd put some documentation in what it does. And then I'd overload the analyze method. So what so, is the scope of that assembly scan that you're doing then? Would I, If I was trying to develop uh, an add-on for Mfractor, would, would that... Would I have to ship that inside of a, a Xamarin Studio add-in, or would I be able to like ship it as, say, a NuGet package, like a lot of the you know .NET Roslyn analyzers, analyzers work, and have that be able to be referenced and picked up that way? Uh, currently, it's not open for third-party third-party developers, and I haven't actually built it with that in mind. Um, well, at least I haven't built it in mind yet. I built the infrastructure so that it can happen eventually. Um, but currently, it only inspects a few key assemblies, so it's, it's actually quite targeted at the moment, where I know certain analyzers will be. Uh, but the, the plan is to open this up, but I can't give a timeline on, on when I would open it up. So I, I know Greg and I both have a little bit of experience in doing some Xamarin Studio add-in work. Um, I'm curious to hear what your experience was like developing a, an add-in for this. I mean, there's not a ton out there, and I don't think it's a well-known thing. So, um, you know, do you have any... Uh, anything you can talk about pain points or advice building a Xamarin Studio add-in? Uh, generally, the entire thing can be an uphill battle. It's pretty difficult, I'll be perfectly honest. It's, it's one of the hardest things that I've done in my, my programming career. And I started out in games and computer graphics and like all kinds of 3D maths. Um, and I'd say that this is difficult just because there's no documentation on it. And when you want to make some new behavior... You've got a few options. You can email and heckle and annoy uh, Michaela, and I'm sure she gets too much of it. So I'm I'm very very uh, I don't email her very often. Um, <laughs> she's patient, but she doesn't scale that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she's not exactly like an online search database, like online documentation that I can just hit up whenever I want. You know, she's got things to do as well. Um, so she was incredibly useful for getting me started. Then after that, honestly, I've just spent so much time dissecting the MonoDevelop source code. That that's just how I've learned, and I got I've gotten to the point now where it's so much of my the work that I would have to do doing uh, to build Amfractor, it doesn't actually rely on MonoDevelop, and there's a very thin integration layer at the top that hooks into certain systems, and I my general rule is I try to stay 
away from doing much mono, like mono develop specific work if I can, just because it's so difficult and I can sink so much time into it. Are there any plans to open source the the actual M Fractor stuff? Because I would imagine that like what you what you've started to come up with would also just serve as a really good reference point for anyone else that wants to come in and do this. So be it through I don't know blog posts or or just ha- like exposing the the source to M Fractor. Like there, like you said, there's just not a lot of documentation or even up to date recent examples of of how to do things. So a lot of what you end up seeing is even pretty old documentation. Um, so I would imagine that I know I would find that super useful. Um, because I'm I'm planning on selling a fracture as a commercial product at some point in the next year. I don't have plans to open source it as such. Um, that said, for, to support the community, I do. I started a Xamarin Slack channel um, for add-ins. I've been doing. I've done a guest lecture uh, with Xamarin University on how to actually do this. Um, and part of that lecture was I wrote a full tutorial on everything from start to finish. So from how do we install to, you know, what the hell is an add-in? Like what's this thing called the extension model? And, and all the steps along the way to getting your own add-in published in, and in the IDE. As much as I, I want to open source Infractor, I think from a commercial perspective at the moment, it doesn't make sense yet because I'm, I'd be basically giving away the keys to the kingdom for the products. Um, mm-hmm. But... I'm helping out in, in other ways and trying to put this knowledge back into the community um, through like guest lectures and stuff. Right. Yeah, that, that's definitely a welcome thing. Like like you, a lot of this stuff and, and you've definitely built far more extensive integrations than I have at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, so I can only imagine the, the walls that you must have run into. But even with the basic stuff in the past, I know that it just took a lot of time of reading through the monodevelop repository and seeing how like I'd be like, oh, well, how does the end unit pain work and all of that? Um, so, you know, having having more uh, resources out there and, and more, you know, just just up to date pseudo documentation would would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, like for for someone like, let's say, you know, obviously most people out there haven't done any Xamarin Studio add ins, but, you know, probably could pretty easily come up with ideas for for things that might help even them on a personal level. Like, do you have any good advice for anyone looking to just get started and, and figure out like like how to go from zero to adding some basic extension? Yeah, so first thing is download the source code for my Xamarin Studio lecture, uh, for my Xamarin University lecture. So I'll just quickly Google it so I can remember exactly what it's called. So under my GitHub repository, uh, my username is Matthew R. Dev, um, and I have a, a repository called Building Add-ins for Xamarin Studio. And if you jump to that, there is this massive tutorial on everything from start to finish. So that's just the first point that I'd start. That'll get you started and like go through the, the flow of how do I make an add-in, how do I use Roslyn, what's the extension model, how do I make a command? Um, and then f- from there, how do I, how do I package and, and send out my add-in f- for use? In terms of other source code examples, um, I've got quite a few add-ins that are also open source. So I wrote an add-in packager a little while ago that I've, I've deprecated, but it gives it a good insight into how to integrate to certain parts of Xamarin Studio. And there's a few other add-ins as well. So jump onto my, my GitHub page and just have a look through uh, the add-ins that I've made. Um, in terms of large other add-ins, one of the, the best examples, I'm just trying to find it, Service Stack uh, is a very, very large open source add-in. 
Um, that'll give a good, good example. Um, and also dissect Michaela's add-in maker. Like, you know, she makes the thing. Like, it's, a, basically, <laughs> it's basically her baby. She knows how to do it, exactly how it should be done. Pull the add-in maker apart. Yeah, that sounds like some good advice. Um, now, given that Visual Studio for Mac is, you know, based off of Xamarin Studio, does that mean MFactor also works there too right now? Yes, it does. There's a funny story here. Um, Jim Bennett, one of the MVPs in Auckland, he was he had, had like a little little tweeting. Uh, he, he tweeted a little while ago saying, like, oh, I can't get anything to work in VS Mac. And I, I started talking to him. We, we jumped on Slack and, and I'm like, oh, I think that like X, Y, Z is a problem. We eventually sorted out and got his add-in working in VS Mac. And while that was happening, I was kind of like, ah, oh, since I've got Visual Studio Mac installed and open, I wonder what's going to happen if I pull Infractor. And so I, I pulled the source code, source code in and I pressed Command-B um, to build it. And just I was just expecting a sea of red. For context on this, when I upgraded from... Xamarin Studio 5 to Xamarin Studio 6, which is the Roslyn swap over. That was just like going to hell in a handbasket. It was just, <laughs> it was, it was, ter- it was a terrifying experience. Like I, I was rebuilding everything from, well, not from scratch, but like just this two months of work of everything breaking, just going, holy crap, I hope this works at the end of this. Um, so I was, I was expecting just like fire and brimstone this time. And I was like, oh, that's like it's 20 compilation errors. Awesome. I don't think I've ever been so happy to see 20 compilation errors in my life. <laughs> it's all about managing expectations, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I had this, you know, this, this fantastic experience, you know, porting from Xamarin Studio 5 to Xamarin Studio 6, where it was just borderline traumatic. And, and coming in and just seeing like 20 compilation errors that were all kind of the same thing, I was like, oh, this is the... This is the best day of my life, I think. <laughs> so can um, you speak to the those jumps a little bit then too? Like so the you mentioned the jump from from five to six that um you know that that really changed things under the hood and had to, you know, force you to rewrite a lot of stuff and now the jump into into VS Mac. Like what are the sorts of changes that you're you're having to make here? Uh VS Mac was pretty much nothing. Um they pushed some things that had public to being private or internal. So I, uh, so I think they're moving away from concrete data objects. So there's a class called text editor data, which gives you access to like, like grabbing text bands, converting locations to file offsets, offsets to file locations, and so forth. So they actually pushed that into uh, the, the private scope for Xamarin for Studio, so for Visual Studio. And uh, in replacement of that, you just have to use the, the interface now, which I think is perfect. I, I love that. Uh, I'd much rather be using an interface than the, the concrete object anyway. Um, so I had to go through and change a whole bunch of stuff where I'd used um, the concrete object. Uh, apart from that, there was a changing to the style system. Um, so instead of... Things like a class called chunk style, which represents the, the formatting and syntax highlighting. They just renamed something to edit a theme. So very, very small changes. And it was like I, I sat down after my conversation with Jim. I had MFractor working in VS Mac within an hour, which I was not expecting. 
So do you have to download like a separate uh, MPAC file then from the website to get it working there? In VS Map? Yeah. Uh, currently, I don't have it deployed publicly. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep working in, in Xamarin Studio for a while until they officially, you know, deprecate Xamarin Studio and officially uh, move VS Mac out of, out of preview. And at, at that point, I can see myself moving Impractor from free to paid at the same time. Okay. Yeah, it seems like a logical point. Um, so is there anything uh, that you can share with us of what's next for Impractor? Any big new features you've got planned? Uh, so I've just done 2.7. So my 2.8 release, my focus is primarily on just making lots of refactoring actions. So a, a few things that are irking me personally, um, which is generally where a lot of my, my features stem from, XML sorting and, and reformatting. So there's a, an add-in called XAML Styler, which already does all this stuff, but uh, I'd like to expose it through my system. So things like you know sorting names, splitting things out onto separate lines um, for XML attributes, just just tidying up your XML document, and making it really easy to do that. Uh, XML namespace refactoring is something that I really want to get get in. It's just driving me crazy doing all this manual because I've got I know I've got the capability now to make this stuff happen very easily. So it, it frustrates me when I've got this like like I've I've made the feature so firm and concrete in my mind. And all of a sudden, I hit it in Xamarin Studio. I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't actually built that yet. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, view, view refactoring. So being able to right-click on the X-class reference in the, the root Xamarin node and go refactor rename and then enter the new name in. And it would rewrite all the... So it would pick up the Roslyn symbol, so the, the class symbol, do a, a class refactoring across the solution to change the name. And then change the name of the code behind class and the, the view file, and that's one. Like I've got a, a heap of refactoring to do in uh, the job adder project actually, which I'm just holding off doing that until I build my uh, my view rename. That's a good way to dog food it at least. Yeah, yeah, and I'm very very lucky that um, my work's extremely supportive of what I'm doing. Like I've got a job that that lets me basically digital nomad. So I'm, I'm going to be coming over to San Francisco and Seattle in a couple of weeks. Um, and work's just like, yeah, it's cool. Just just tell us when you've got your flights booked and when you'll be remote. I'm in a very privileged position that I can dog food and bootstrap it like what I'm doing. Yeah. Nice. And actually, something that just occurred to me randomly. Um, so, like, as we've been talking through... You know all of all of the sort of like magic that Mfractor lights up, where you you right click and it writes a bunch of code for you, or it changes things. Like, is there ever anything that you have to worry about where it could blow away changes that you already had? Like, is there an ability to undo any of the the stuff that it edits, or is it always additive instead of um, removing things? Well, it's both. So if there are there probably will be a point in the future where I'll start doing operations that are completely destructive, like. Can't exactly think of something off the top of my head, but I could foresee that that could happen. Like, for instance, a file deletion um, that could happen. But if that happens, you should probably be using Git anyway, and not worrying about that stuff. Currently, all all operations at the end of the day they go through Xamarin Studio's refactoring engine. So I all the source code generation, all the text replacement, all the file creation and deletion, uh, I, I delegate it all to Xamarin Studio. So if if something breaks, I, I can just kind of go, uh, sorry about that, guys. Here's a hotfix. 
Um, hey, Michaela. So that isn't working. Can you get that fixed? <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's good to go through the the known pipes there. That makes sense. Yeah, which actually brings in an interesting point with with building add-ins. That are you um as soon as a bug like happens, like and your add-ins installed, you get blamed for it. <laughs> so yeah. Well, especially yeah. for for folks coming from uh, like it's probably historically less of an issue for Xamarin Studio because it hasn't had quite as big of a an add in ecosystem as say Visual Studio where there's just you know everyone and their mother is you know publishing random add ins and stuff like that yep. and historically it's it it hasn't been entirely inaccurate to often blame some of the add ins for all the wacky stuff happening in Visual Studio so there's definitely a culture of that developed out of that. Oh no, you know what it's. It's completely a fair point. Like I, I understand where they're coming from. And at the end of the day, like my user's concern is, you know, they're writing software and they're getting paid to and delivering it to an end user. And when all of a sudden this magic add-in called Mfractor comes along and starts solving problems, um, and then it fundamentally breaks their workflows, then I, I, I completely understand why they get, you know, get a bit irate and a bit like scared by it. Um, so like, it's completely fair. Yeah. Well, as long as you're saving them more time than you're costing him, it's still a net gain, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a very small margin of green. No, it, it does a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so before we wrap up, is there is there anything that we missed? Anything that you'd want to call out in particular to our listeners? I mean, we'll include all the all the links and and stuff in the show notes. So, so that'll definitely be right there and accessible. But um, is there anything else to to kind of close out with? I guess the only thing I can say is like if you want to do if you do want to get started, the the best way of doing so is to going onto the documentation website um, and just reviewing what it actually does. Um, so it's it's still growing the documentation um, website, but it, it gives you a way of evaluating before you actually install it, um, and it's got full instructions on how to install it as well. Awesome. That sounds good. And like I said, we'll include all that in the show notes. But Matthew, thanks so much for, for taking the time out of your, well, you're from the future so early morning to, to chat with us. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, um, John and Greg. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks everyone as always for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.